Hello, Mr. or Mrs. Blank. This is Dan Usher calling from Scott Hogue Industries. I wanted to talk to you today to discuss how Office 365 can help you upgrade and expand your business. Hi, and welcome to the Brewery FM podcast hosted by Scott Hogue and Dan Usher. Just two techies separated by more than a few kilometers. Talking cloud, the death of an Office 365 salesman, and technology. I'm Scott Hogue, and this is episode 20, recorded on 19 June, 2015. Hey Dan, today I'm going to sell you some Office 365. Are you? Yeah. Are you ready for this? Well, I don't know. I mean, I know we were trying to stick to a new format, but uh, our budget got decreased. I think this is the best way to do it. We get a script and everything. It's perfect. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if our listeners really want to hear that, though. Uh, you think it's about the listeners at this point? It's about my amusement. Well. <laughs> it's early in the morning. I have a cup of coffee and a cold call sales script for Office 365. What else do you need? Uh, that's a good point. Um, <laughs> before we hop into that... Uh... I figured we go through a little bit of a, a little bit of follow up. Um, uh, first thing up, I don't know if you caught this, but uh, the web.skype.com is now available for anybody to use that has a Skype account. Uh, I believe that still requires plugins and stuff, though, doesn't it? So, uh, I think on IE and Firefox, there's no plugin required, but on Chrome, it will prompt you to download a plugin. Uh, I don't. I think that plugin though is just for the the audio video piece. So if you just want to use chat, uh, you shouldn't actually need to have any plugins. Do people use Skype just for chat? I do. Mm, I thought that's what WhatsApp was for, but no, that's how I keep in touch with uh, most folks. If I'm on uh, Windows 10 box or Windows 8 one box, and I don't feel like running Google Chrome. Mm, yeah, that's what WhatsApp's for. We, we got to get you to move overseas again for a little while. Ah, uh, yes. I'll just have uh, Isaac Stith hide me in his backpack when he goes back. There you go. Yeah, I I had read a little bit about it, and uh, you know, it seems uh, nice that the, that they're going down this path and getting ready to deploy it. But it seems like they still have some holes as well. So, uh, you know, they want to get it out the door and and start pushing it out to consumers today. But they're missing some of the the web RTC bits and other things that are going to need to be there for modern compliant browsers to not need any plugins or anything else. Well, true, but I think at least it's a you know good first start step to uh, get it out there, get folks using it, get folks acclimated to it, and then slowly but surely take away the actual applications that we're used to downloading to our desktops. Yep. So we're going to get rid of modern Skype, right? Because yep. that's going to be gone. That's deprecated and folks can't sign into that after July 7th, I believe. I, th- I think that's what Skype told me the other day when I logged into it by accident on a desktop. <laughs> uh, you're not going to be able to get in here anymore. So uh, that was nice. At least that's kind of getting fixed up and uh, made a little bit clearer, right? Well, I mean, that's always helpful when they give you a two-week notice, right? Uh, seems to be par for the course these days. Uh, I'd be more than happy to have a two-week notice on deprecation of a capability. Granted, I, I wish they would do that with other platforms, but oh well. Yes, and and this is also the consumer platform. So I, th- I think you get a little more leeway there. 
um, you, you know, it's not an enterprise and you, you don't have uh, desktop deployments of hundreds of thousands of users, hopefully. Um, you know, they should all be on Skype for business, which we're going to get to in our cold, cold call sales script, I bet. <laughs> we better. Um, so the Skype for business piece, it's actually interesting that you bring that up. I know um, organizations, you know, are trying to figure out, okay, so it goes... Uh, I don't know when the release date is, to be honest, but I know it's it started showing up if you're running like Office 365 uh, C2R bits. Um, but if you're still running like on-premise link server, uh, it's still, and I think you, you dealt with this where you work, uh, it still shows up as just a link client. The first time you run it, it pops up the little message that says, ha ha, your administrator wants you to use the link UI because we haven't enabled it yet. Um, <clears throat> that's just a, it's a GPO fix to push uh, to a registry bit. Um, so it's flipping a bit registry wise, but if your GPO, you know, if there's not an administrative template to control it, uh, whoops. Yeah. It'll, it'll flip you back to the link UI regardless of what you want. So, um, for organizations that are out there, hopefully they're able to roll this out a little bit smoother. Uh, when I guess Skype for business goes full throttle RTM, um, as a replacement, and I think that's this fall, but I don't really know. Like I said, it's just it's showing up. The preview is showing up in uh, Office 365 C2R for users. So hopefully, it will uh, it'll be something that is a little bit easier for administrators to control. One can always hope. Yeah. When did they start pushing that on the C2R bits? Because I know it was maybe a month ago where it just suddenly you know it was like, haha, we updated your link client to Skype for Business. Enjoy. Yeah, that sounds about right. About a, about a month ago. So I know that I was running the C2R bits. And, you know, even with that registry key and things, it doesn't seem to always work the right way. Uh, because I was talking to people, you know, at, at my employer, and we were kind of going back and forth about how we were going to roll this out and everything else. Uh, and I was in a pure Office 365 E3 tenant out in Australia. And, you know, I couldn't get the new Skype UI to show up for whatever in that tenant, no matter how many PowerShell things and registry keys and everything else we did. And then I was talking to one of our admins back in the U.S. and he said, oh, it's showing up for us here, you know, and, and we're just running regular on-premises link, uh, not, not link server, but just link clients. And somehow they were all into the Skype for business thing already. And then, uh, you know, I, I hit the U.S. and did something, I don't know, turned on my computer, I guess, after a couple weeks, and, and there it was, Skype for business. So still some growing pains and other things to figure out, but I'm going to leave that to the link administrators because they know more about it than I do. Yeah, I guess <clears throat> I'm just trying to figure out the, you know, is it uh, is it version 15? Is it version 16? Um, how it's controlled uh, on the on-prem side, just... Uh, you know, for anybody that uh, happens to be connecting back into good old uh, C2R bits, um, how that gets controlled from GPOs. Uh, I don't. I haven't seen um, any of the the goodies uh, come down in the Microsoft Download Center uh, that go with that uh, 2016 technical preview that they put out about a month ago. But maybe maybe we'll start to see those trickle in sometime soon. One can always hope. Yep. Um, so a little bit other follow-up. Uh, 
the Apple Watch apparently is now available at Apple stores. So no longer do you have to actually go on, put your order in, wait six months, uh, buy someone else who happened to buy two, and sell your own. So if you are interested, you can run on over to an Apple store and check what their stock is, make an appointment, and pick it up. Sort of like the old craze when the, uh, the iPhone 5S and 6 came out, you can... Uh, schedule your order, go pick it up, pick it up. You know, it shouldn't take more than about 15 minutes. Yeah. I'm still going to keep just drawing watch faces on my wrist with a Sharpie. <laughs> uh, I was just thinking about getting like the little holographic image of uh, Mickey mouse and slapping that on my wrist. That way, you know, I move my wrist and Mickey mouse dances. No, you get one of those cool little, uh, little tattoos, one of the little stick-on tattoos. You know, you put a little bit of water on there with a paper towel or whatever and just smush it onto your arm. Perfect. Mm. I'll uh, I'll have to reach out to Amanda to find out more about that, I guess. Yeah, but. you can make it work. All right. Um, last up, or last one of the last things on the follow-up, uh, Spence Harbor had posted something out on TweetFace about uh, this Glasgow guy. Um wandering about the streets and seeing uh, some posters for Cortana, you know, setting up reminders or doing searches uh, to find out about more, more about cricket. And basically, you know, the guy was like, I would never ask Cortana that search term because, you know, only people that aren't from Glasgow would throw that search term out there. Uh, so he tweeted something about it. And I think like within a day or two days, the, the Microsoft team reprinted, the uh, <clears throat> banners to say something like, uh, you know, Cortana, remind me not to talk to Chris about blah and uh, about the cricket. And then they put them up in some of the local neighborhoods that I guess they had tracked his geo data from, I guess. I, I don't know. But somehow uh, they posted it up on Twitter and he thought it was just, you know, them kind of making a mockery of it and Photoshopping something. When in reality, no, they had printed them off and put them at the bus stops and whatnot in Glasgow. So he's walking around and he sees them and he's just like, holy crap. Uh, Microsoft, well played. (laughs) Yeah, it just goes to show you that you should never underestimate the power of social media when it comes to sarcasm. I know, man. Uh, I'm I'm waiting for, you know, them to do something like that for me that's just like, hey, Dan. Why are you carrying around that fruit in your pocket when you could be carrying around, you know, a Windows 10 device? Uh, because you want something that actually works and can connect and isn't broken as all heck? You said it, not me. Uh, I did. And keep in mind, I have never actually used a Windows phone device, so I'm the perfect person to talk about it. Fair enough. I mean, that's, uh, that sounds like the way a lot of people talk about the Apple devices, they Look at them, sneer at them, and make fun of them, which is unfortunate. Stuff happens. True, true. Um, So, SharePoint Saturday DC, or SPS Events DC. Uh, The Chevy Chase edition happened this past weekend. Uh, You were missed. Uh, It was probably our smoothest event we've had so far at Chevy Chase. Uh, There were a couple little hiccups, but they were not, uh, not things that we had, you know, anticipated on. So it was, uh, you know, one of those act of God sort of issues that, uh, popped in, but that was just a minor little issue of someone getting sick. Um, Oh, you mean somebody forgot to get off the train? (laughs) You know, they have those signs up, get off the train if you're feeling ill and everybody always stays on the train. 
Yeah, somebody decided to stay at the conference that probably shouldn't have, and then unfortunately got sick. So we we felt bad for them. Um, it's it's not one of those things. I mean, I know I've been at events before where I've been uh, running a low grade fever or had like strep and didn't realize it, and you know, it's it's not one of those fun things to be the sick person at an event. Um, but there's unfortunately not much you can do about it, I guess. So, you know, we hope that uh, we hope that person's feeling better. Um, but uh, all in all, I mean, really, the event went uh, seamless. The SharePoint uh, went off down at the Clyde's Racetop Bar. That was a good time to hang out with some of the attendees. Um, I actually met people that I work with that I had never actually met in person before. So that was that was delightful to uh, <clears throat> put some names to faces. Um, but it was a it was a good crowd. We had surprisingly um, at uh, nine a.m. So for the kickoff, uh, you know how usually you've got like thirty people at those things. Yeah, it's always a little bit early in the morning, and if you don't have coffee for them, they get a little what's the term ornery. Yeah, so we had a hundred and two people in the kickoff. I was blown away. I was like, oh my gosh! So. We ended up with just over about 250 attendees, um, <clears throat> which uh, filled the Chevy Chase spot very nicely. Uh, we didn't really have any big snafus when it came to uh, rooms and whatnot. Um, <clears throat> there were one or two sessions where I would walk by after the sessions had started and be like, oh, goodness, we, we miscalculated, you know which speaker was going to be the popular one this session period. Uh, I think it was Steve Petrick. Is that how you pronounce his last name? I believe so. Yeah. So <clears throat> I walked by that room and it was standing room only. Um, he had probably 36 people, 37 people in a room that was made for 20. So they were <clears throat> in there learning about Angular JS, uh, but it was, you know, pretty well attended session and, all the feedback that I've gone through so far has come back uh, pretty positive. So I, I was excited to see we did it. Uh, I was excited to see that it went so well. And I'm excited for the next one that we're doing, uh, I guess, October 3rd. October? Man, yep. you guys are cranking them out up there. We are. It's uh, it's kind of a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> Two a year, right? Yep. Yeah, keep, keep them coming. Uh yeah, it's interesting. So we also had, what, uh, SPS Boston was that same weekend? Yeah, so SPS Boston uh, was going on. Uh, Fabian Williams actually started the day at uh, SPS Boston, gave a talk, and then he hopped on a flight, uh, hit the Metro, and showed up for ours with like a good hour to spare, um, give his presentation on Xamarin Forms. So it was... Uh, it was fun to have him be a part of both events and kind of cross them for us. Uh, it looked like the Boston event went uh, pretty well as well. Um, I believe they held theirs up at the Nerd in Boston and Cambridge. So I, I don't know if you ever get up there, but it's a pretty cool facility as well. Yeah, it is. It's very nice up there. So, And it's always nice to have a little bit of friendly competition between the events as well, right? Going back and forth and everybody kind of doing their thing and competing for speakers and everything else. Uh, I don't know if it's fun to compete for speakers, but sure. Uh, it's fun to watch from the outside. Let's uh, put it that way. Yes, yes. 
Yeah, yeah I, I remember the headache that goes into it, and I applaud you for everything that you do, uh, because it is way harder than people think. Yeah, I think uh, <clears throat> the thing that always just kind of, you know, uh, I don't want to say angers me, because it really doesn't anger me. It's more of uh, just, you know, a general frustration where, you know, we're doing this as volunteers, uh, myself, Rachel, Tim, Adam, Tasha, and we're not, uh, you know, we're not the BZ media folks. We're not the folks from, uh, SharePoint Fest. Uh, this is purely something we do in our free time. Um, and, uh, I think most of the companies that are sponsors realize that, uh, very, I mean, they, they know it's community driven and whatnot, but the attendees uh, sometimes forget that, and so yeah, I mean, you you know how it is. Um, there are events where we would run out of coffee, and people would be like, "Ah, oh, I can't believe I ran out of coffee. I'm never coming to this event again." It's like, well, uh, it's a free event, and uh, <laughs> we're sorry. Yeah, no, I I remember because I, I, w- I was around and helping you out when you started doing the first ones in DC there, and, and kind of running it and. You, you know, after the conferences and, you know, the few day conferences and things like that stopped. And I remember that first one at Chevy Chase where it turned into, you know, we thought we'd be slick and wouldn't order coffee. So, you know, I was kind of joking around earlier when I said people get ornery, but we didn't order coffee for that one. And people were legitimately like ready to break out the pitchforks and the knives and, uh, you know, torches and mark, hunt you down, you know. How could you not provide coffee at this free event that, like you said, everybody's doing, eh, you know, in their free time and, and everything else? So, I, you know, hopefully attendees can realize that and kind of go along with some of the bumps and the blows. And, uh, you know, certainly, you know, like you said, stuff comes up and things go wrong and sometimes you got to change lunch orders and move sessions around or rooms fill up and everything else. So you hope that people can be a little bit flexible and kind of go along with it and realize that mm, it's an event. It's on a Saturday. Uh, so as an attendee, you know, yes, you're, you're taking time away from maybe your family or something on the weekend. But the people who are running the event, you, you know, if it starts at 830, they're probably showing up at 6 a.m. to get everything set up. And if the event ends at five, they're sticking around till like six or seven to clean up tables and chairs and do all the other things that go into it. Yeah, I think you know we've been we've been blessed by uh, Microsoft for hosting us these past couple of years. Uh, I guess it's more kind of the question of whether or not we continue doing these, or you know, do we pass the torch to young bucks in the community, or you know what uh, what the plan going forward is with everything kind of transitioning to that Office three sixty five SharePoint on prem hybrid story. Ah, you figure it out. Office 365 Saturdays. Boom. Yeah, I, I suppose at some point we could transition to that, but uh, not today. <laughs> not, not yet. I mean, yeah, leave that <laughs> to the next ones. Let them figure it out. Yeah, you're, you're allowed to be old and stodgy and stuck in your ways. Yeah, it's it's more the uh, the DC area is just so saturated with SharePoint that uh, you know SharePoint 2010, a little bit of SharePoint 2013 that trying to introduce office 365 that might work up in like the new york market or uh any other market but i think the dc area is still gonna stick to that uh that sharepoint on-prem story for a while 
Sounds like a bunch of fun. Speaking of uh, sticking to things, uh, tell me about these Tim Tams. Tim Tams. Uh, in, yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm staying with my mother-in-law down here, and uh, her dog got out last night and decided to just chomp on a little bit of Tim Tams. So, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, Tim Tam Slams, so I, I think I had brought that up at the end of last episode. You know, was, I have to run off, do my coffee, and get a Tim Tam Slam. So it turns out you can order Tim Tams on Amazon. So you'll have some showing up at your house this week. And uh, next week when I'm up in D.C., we'll sit down and do some Tim Tam Slams together. So uh, crisis averted. You know, maybe the dog got a little bit of chocolate, just a little bit. You know, he was smart enough not to eat the whole thing. Um, and, you know, smart enough to continue just going on about whatever it was. You know, he wanted to get into the trash or whatever. So uh, easy enough. Like I said, just Amazon's great. I really missed Prime shipping and this whole, you know, two-day thing. Like, you know, if you live in another part of the world and you don't have access to this, oh my gosh, it's like, it's so great. Uh, and uh, I, I'm just ordering things, you know, just to order them at this point because it's like, oh, look, it'll be here tomorrow. Oh my gosh, that's the best thing since sliced bread. Wait, so, you mean you're not in the uh, you're not in the same day delivery zone? Uh, no, I'm not. Jacksonville is not in a same day delivery zone. But like, you, you don't understand. Like two day shipping, where it actually shows up to your house, is a huge, huge thing. You know, like when I lived in Australia, you would order something, and I would be a you get like no shipping labels or tracking numbers or anything like that from Australia post. Cause you know, nobody wants to pay the exorbitant rate for, you know, to whatever to get the number. And then your postal carriers don't actually deliver things to your house. Like they just don't care. You know, if you have a package, uh, it might end up across the street. It might end up down the street. It might end up in the next like town or council over. So sometimes you have to depend on the kindness of strangers. Like, uh, you know, I've, I know I had a couple packages show up where like, no, this is not the right address. And so you just walk it down the street and take your neighbor and say, here's your thing. And, uh, vice versa. Sometimes they'd get things for you. Or I used to have lots of fun because I never had an Australian driver's license. Cause I could always just drive on my American license and I wasn't a permanent resident or anything like that. So if they do do a delivery and it was something that required a signature and mm, you weren't there to sign for it or the postal carrier, you know, you would see him walk up to the steps and never actually like ring your doorbell and they would just kind of run away with your package. You know, Oh, great. I got to go to the post office. Uh, so that always meant a trip up to the local post office with your passport, a copy of your lease, uh, a couple of chickens to sacrifice, maybe a goat or two, uh, you know, all just to be able to get your package. Kind of crazy. That, uh, <clears throat> that does not sound like fun. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah, no, I am, like I said, I'm very happy to be back in the love and care of FedEx, UPS, and surprisingly, the United States Postal Service. Never thought I would say that, but <laughs> uh, man, perspective from living someplace else for a while. Yeah, no, I totally get you. Um, so what do we want to talk about today? I think it's uh, a little bit about Office 365. Not too much has been going on in the Azure world. Um, where do you yeah. want to start? Yeah, I, I really want to do this sales script. Oh man, I, I, don't, um, I don't think you do. So, I, 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 you know, I think I think this is great <laughs> stuff. This is you know not even without going through the script, but just saying, you know, here's common objections. Right? They have this whole section. So basically, what this is is Microsoft puts things out on the download center all the time, 
And one of the things they put out there was a telesales cold call script. So sometimes these things are locked away behind uh, walled gardens. So like Microsoft Office demos is typically locked off to like Microsoft employees or uh, Microsoft partners with right competencies and things like that. So this is a little unique, right? Because it's just out on the download center. It's out for anybody to see and consume. And it does have some good snippets of, of data in there, kind of uh, talking points, right? And maybe a little bit about how Microsoft thinks about some of these things. So when somebody objects to uh, decreased budgets or, you know, one of the big ones is always, hey, we're using Google Apps already. Why would we want to switch? Uh, you know, the old, if it's not broke, let's not fix it. So, you know, what we're using now works just fine. Uh, why should we even bother upgrading? You know, those kind of things. Yeah, I think, uh, so a little bit of background. Uh, the Download Center, like you mentioned, is one of those resources that I think a lot of folks just skip by because they think to themselves, oh, if it's important, it'll be out on the blog. Um, so... In this case, uh, I happen to be going through uh, Reader, um, which I think you're fairly familiar with. It's a cute little RSS aggregation app, uh, or excuse me, it is an RSS presentation layer app for iOS devices. Um, I'm still waiting to see if there's one for Android that's worthwhile or for Windows Phone. But uh, regardless... No and no. Yeah. Um, so ever since Google Reader went bye-bye, it's kind of been a sad day. Um so going through the download center, <clears throat> obviously you see all the different updates for like Windows 7, Windows 8, Windows 2012, and Itanium server, uh, all these different things. And so I'm just kind of flipping by them. And then typically I come back and I see like five or six things and I'm like, oh, wow, that might actually be interesting to read. How'd that get put in here? And I, I get the feeling it's just the hope that, like you said, things just get hidden away. Um, like you said, you know, this is a – it's – I mean, the title of it is Office 365 Add-on or Upsell Outbound Call Guide. So immediately to me, I read this and I go, hmm, Outbound Call Guide. This could be fun. Um, but, you know, for folks that may not know uh, Office 365 really that well or haven't worked with it that well um, or that much, I think this is, you know, a decent resource just to kind of get their their brains thinking along the right lines of, well, what should I talk to customers and clients about to, uh, you know, help nudge them forward in technology? So I don't think it's all that bad, but it really does just kind of crack me up reading uh, some of the, the script that's in here. Yeah, no, it's it's absolutely great stuff. So, uh, you, you know, one thing that you mentioned there, so the uh, Download Center does have an RSS feed. So I think sometimes folks wonder, you know, probably, you know, how we come up with these links and, and pull them up. So like you said, uh, you can subscribe to that RSS feed and you can kind of uh, do what you want with it. Uh, there's not too many filtering options in many of the RSS aggregation services. So if you look at like Feedly or Feed Wrangler, Newsblur, things like that, uh, they don't do too much filtering on the server side. Uh, so one of the things I find that's helpful with uh, particularly the download center feed, because it does have all the KBs and everything, security fixes and all that stuff. Uh, there's a little thing for Chrome, uh, where you can log in to Feedly and it, it lets you basically filter out. So I just have a filter that says, get rid of anything that doesn't say KB. And then that leaves all the other stuff behind and it cuts down on that list a bunch, especially around patch Tuesdays and all that stuff. Well, you know, when all of a sudden you see that feed bump up and you're like, oh man, I have, you know, 70 unread items in there. What happened? Hmm. 
I might have to take that into consideration and try that out. But uh, the one, the thing that does uh, always crack me up with the Office Download Center is uh, documents getting out there that potentially shouldn't have or didn't get properly QA'd. Um, so in this case, uh, did you did you scan through the document at least? I know you got down to the like uh, the pain points and kind of the, the generic call script and objections, but did you read through any of the rest of it? Uh, I went all the way down to the hot close and the cold close. Oh, man. Because I like being on the phone that much. You know, I, I kind of skipped down to common objections and all that because qualification questions are qualification questions. But it is interesting, some of, some of the uh, scenarios that they lay out in there. So basically they have different profiles, right? So, uh, you know, profile one is you have some infrastructure out there, maybe email. Email is a pretty easy one. Uh, that's maybe nearing the end of life. Maybe you have like an old exchange server. You're just running some other IMAP or whatever thing on premises. So why not move that out to the cloud and get a little bit, you know, better about it? Uh, scenario two, uh, you know, you're a fast growing business, but you have limited IT. So how can we work around that? Well, let's provide some self-service IT solutions, right? Let's make it a little bit easier for users to do things. So that might be uh, something like self-service password resets, which is available for cloud users or you know users in those eSKUs with um, uh, Azure AD Premium and password right back and all that stuff, right? And hosted mail, and you know the big one, which really can't be discounted that much. Their their scenario four is you're using an older version of Office. So you know we were talking earlier about the click to run versions of Office and how you can get the latest and greatest uh, Skype for business UIs and all those kinds of things. So that's kind of hard to do if you're running traditional on premises and click to run and things like that can make it a little bit easier on top of the licensing stuff, right? So getting those, you know, five free activations and multi-device and everything else uh, certainly opens up uh, a, maybe a new world of possibilities if your users have traditionally been a little bit more restricted in what they could do. So should I mention that the document refers to SkyDrive and SkyDrive Pro? You know, everything refers to SkyDrive and SkyDrive Pro. Cats and dogs, the sky is falling. That's what they do. Yeah. So while it's a great document, it still has some spots to be updated. Well, I mean, it was probably written back in 2011 or something, and it's just hitting the download center now. You know, you, you'll see that sometimes where they'll be like, oh, you know, there's a fresh update to a SharePoint 2010 uh, taxonomy document. You go, huh? Uh, you guys want to publish the stuff for SharePoint 2013 or Vnext or something else? No, it was just, you know, somebody updated a, a version or a piece of metadata in the download center and it triggered off a new download kind of thing. So the document was created on January 27th, 2015 at 2.12 p.m. And it was updated on June 9th, 2015 at 5.25 p.m. Well, you can't expect them to have all their... I'm, I, you know, I'm trying to give them a leg up here and you're just fighting me every step of the way. That's how I roll. Skydrive. <clears throat> So, you know, Scott, it sounds like Office 365 is not of interest to you right now, but please keep us in mind for any future integration requirements. Is there any way else I can, or is there anything else I can do for you? Uh, you know, I have this toaster that doesn't work. It's uh, in my kitchen. You should you probably talk to John Syracuse about toasters. <laughs> Absolutely not. I would never get in a toaster. 
toaster talk with that man. That's like asking for just <laughs> a lot, lot, a lot of pain. Yeah, that's that's quite true. Um, so yeah, I mean the the download center. There's some there's some good stuff out there. Um, the other things that popped up this week. Uh, there's an Office 365 overview and partner scenarios. Uh, pretty much this document covers. I think really just kind of the core information that you should know as a partner about Office 365, how it's licensed and, you know, similar to the call script, uh, it has some different bits and nuggets in there about uh, licensing and how that, uh, how that can be useful to your organization. Um, there's a navigating DevOps journey white paper that is a two page, uh, two pager that I guess was published to IDG and it, primarily covers uh, kind of the, the DevOps story with the Azure and Visual Studio tooling. So it's it's a decent read. Uh, if you've got folks that are all about uh, continuous integration, uh, about DevOps, um, it's a good read if, you, if you've got a couple minutes. And then last but not least, out on the Download Center this week, Office 365 training, run more effective meetings, Skype to business, Skype for business edition. Uh, effectively, this is the how-to guide for using Skype for business. It uh, has the new UI, so if you've got users and they're curious, you know, how do I start a session? How do I share a PowerPoint presentation inside that session? Man, I wish people knew how to do that. Uh, <clears throat> this this document has all of that in there for you, so it's it's a handy download that I personally think is very effective and would be helpful for most folks to actually go read through or at least glance through. Yeah, they've had a couple iterations of that one, especially even from the link days, right? They've been running and, and having these things for a while. Uh, they do publish updates to these documents, so sometimes it's worth you know keeping up with them just from that perspective as well. Yeah, I think, well, yeah, and really in this case, it's just, I know a lot of users, they go, oh my gosh, we're getting Skype for business? Wow, what's this new shiny thing? And then we pretty much just break it down that, hey, it's uh, it's Link Server and it's Link. It's just got a new UI right now. Yeah, it's got a new UI and some pretty buttons. And you're going to be able to chat with people in Consumer Skype. Yay. Which you could do with Link with live accounts. Shh. No, no, okay. No, 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 no. Just, 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 just don't talk anymore. <laughs> and, and to think that Skype, changed its back end to use live messenger huh hmm. uh, you know everything's on link now we're, we're we're all set except when it's skype i mean it's correct me if i'm wrong but i swear that's what they announced a couple years ago or a year and a half ago was that they were taking the when they shut down live messenger they were taking that back end and they were porting it into uh skype uh, I believe they announced they were porting the Skype infrastructure into Link. Mm. Yes. Yeah, they, they, they were kind of trying to get away from that whole mm, distributed peer-to-peer thing. Yeah. You, you, you should go do some real-time follow-up and, and Google around for that a little bit. All right, I'm making a post note for this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, I'll talk about some of the other stuff here, right, that came out. So... Uh, you saw the thing about announcing auto-expanding highly scalable archives for Office Ooh. 365 email. Yeah. Uh, well, this is kind of big, right? This was a pain point. If you were in one of those SKUs that allowed you to archive, uh, you had you know this kind of terrorist effect of always watching your storage and saying, oh, man, I, you know, I'm, I'm consuming another 
X gigabytes, what was it, like 100 gigabytes of storage? And, all right, I, I got to go out and request some more. And, you know, two days later, oh, uh, crap, I got to go out and request some more. And you, and you were constantly, you know, in this cycle of going back and forth and back and forth and kind of doing the same thing. Uh, so what they've said is no more of that. Uh, we're just going to automatically expand your storage. And it, it, it's, it's going to work seamlessly, and that's going to be great. So... Uh, you know, I think one of the nice, like, key use cases for this they they pointed out in the article about its release is anybody who's doing uh, the import service. So if you're shipping off a bunch of PSTs on hard drives and things like that, and doing giant, giant imports, uh, maybe you know, just because you want to have the data around for legacy reasons or whatever, and you're going to be heading to archive pretty quick with it, this makes it even quicker to do those migrations and just get everything into Office 365, which is really the point, right? They want the data in there as quick as they can. So this is just another way to do it and kind of speed up adoption and, and do all the other things that come along with that, right? So the thing to be mindful, of course, is that if you are using some other mail service, so if you're, say, <clears throat> a Lotus Note shop, uh, and you want to transition Office 365, you're still going to have to do that migration on-prem before you can do this massive archive push uh, through the import, ser import service. Correct, yeah, to, to do the import thing. But, you know, if you can somehow get your email up to Office 365 and then you want to start archive, you can do it that way too, you know, if you want to use a... Uh, one of the vendors that's out there, like a migration whiz or something like that, and you know, depending on number of users and everything else, you, you know, m migrations are still hard. Um, exchange migrations uh, arguably are uh, a little bit easier than SharePoint migrations or things like that. So uh, a little more straightforward and, and kind of laid out a little bit better. But you still do have to do the planning and figure out where things are going to live, how they're going to get there, what they're going to look like when they get there, what do they look like before they get there, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And probably the other thing to make note of is this applies to E3, E4 seats. Uh, it doesn't apply to the uh, things like resource mailboxes or site mailboxes um, or any of those. So it is strictly just end user seats. Um, those resource mailboxes and site mailboxes don't have the archive capability, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, m makes sense, right? That uh, auto archive is only going to work for things that have archive. Right. Uh, yeah. A little bit of that. Um, did you see the thing about uh, workload-specific admin roles? So a, a little bit of... Uh, this is like RBAC coming, coming to fruition in the Office 365 admin portal. So I, uh, I know they announced this at Ignite. Um, I have not gone in to actually toy around with the RBAC piece, but... Uh, I did notice that first release now supports the ability to target individuals or the entire organization. So that should be rolling out to tenants now. Yep. So, so that's first release. So, so this is a little bit different. And yep. this started rolling out to tenants as well uh, from June 11. So it, it's been kind of, you know, if you're in one of those lucky tenants where you're going to be able to get some of this functionality... Uh, this is nice. So basically what it's doing is it's introducing the concept of uh, limited administrator roles within Office 365 admin. So in the past, we had things like uh, billing administrator and global administrator and 
you know, subscription administrator, a bunch of different stuff in there. And if you wanted to give your SharePoint admins access to the SPO admin side of things, right? So arguably your SharePoint admin should be able to go in and provision new site collections and things like that. And, uh, you know, if they need to do BCS connections or whatever, right, they should have the ability to do that. Um, in the past, or, you know, if you're still in one of the tenancies where this functionality hasn't hit yet, uh, you end up in this weird space where, you know, if I, Scott, need SharePoint admin access, you need to make me a global admin. And that's really not too awesome because all of a sudden, uh, now I get access to a bunch of things that I just have to promise not to touch, like exchange and link and users and, oh, you know, pretty much everything to do with your entire tenancy. So, so that, that wasn't great. Uh, so this has been a deficiency for a while, and they've recognized that. Like you said, they announced at Ignite that they're going to fix it up. So basically what this lets folks do is come through, and they have the ability to uh, now break down and say, you know, Scott, you only need access to SharePoint. Or maybe you need access to SharePoint, and you need to be a service admin so you can see service alerts and things like that. And now I can get just those two things per on a, on a user account by user account basis which is really, really, really nice. Yeah, so it seems to be available in our uh, SPSDC tenant that we use. So uh, I'm debating whether or not to take away your global administrator rights and only let you do certain things. I didn't even know I had them, so <laughs> have at it. There you take, go. Take, the, take them away, yeah, yeah. Feel free to use me as a guinea pig. That's what I'm here for. And, and note, you know, and it probably says this in the article that's in the show notes, but uh, to actually get to see the limited admin roles, basically you go into your users, you click on the user you want, or you click the checkbox with them. A little side panel pops up, and this is you know fairly. Uh, you're probably used to this from other folks or other uh, times you've gone in to edit a user directly through the Office 365 administrative portal. Uh, but there's now an edit user roles, which used to just basically say is it a user or global admin or you know one of these other roles. Uh, now it also has a limited admin role button that you can click. When you click that button, uh, it actually does a cute little JavaScript slide down and has all of the other little roles that you can delegate out to an individual. So pretty handy. Yeah, it's neat stuff and long overdue, right? This is this is excellent that it's starting to come in here. Uh, and maybe we'll get to see some of this stuff bleed over into Azure at some point, right? Because all these kind of roles and everything else that exist at the uh, user tenancy level, you know, all that stuff ultimately lives in Azure. So maybe we can start to use that for RBAC or something over there someday. No, I mean, they've got uh, RBAC through the preview portal. Sort of. For some things, not for everything, you know, but uh, it'd be nice to, you know, see this same level of granularity, you know, come over to the other side, you know, and start to really get away from like that admin co-admin thing. But, uh, you know, we're, we're waiting on all that stuff too. No argument. Someday, someday, somehow it'll be there. Um, you know, it, it goes to say that, uh, I think it was when we were looking at, uh, Intune, uh, for device management with things like the office apps for iOS, um, Microsoft has released uh, new Intune capabilities for Outlook on iOS and Android. So Outlook being the Accompli application that they had bought and rebranded back in yep. January. 
so, you know, at the time, and I think there's still probably a lot of folks that are leery to, uh, to hop into it, but the Outlook app, uh, you know, it connects into uh, Accompli's hosted servers that go and pull your mail for you and make it available to you uh, locally. So it uses that same model that I guess Dropbox and the Mailbox app use where it's, uh, it's uh, cached for you instead of, you know, direct access. Um, but obviously, you know, folks are a little leery about having cached information sitting there for them. Um, so anyway, uh, very much in the same way that the office apps have the ability to be controlled through Intune, uh, uh, you know, mobile device management, mobile application management suite, uh, the Outlook app is also same vein. iOS and Android versions of it uh, get controlled through MDM and MAM uh, to, you know, limit what folks can do uh, in particular, as well as do like selective wipe on the device. So uh, if you look at it, Microsoft is really, really trying to make certain they've got the best apps out there on the different device platforms. You know, they seem to have kind of given up on just trying to develop for Windows Phone, um, but also to have the management tools that go along with it. So it's pretty cool to see this uh, all start to come together. I I would, however, you know, I'm, I'm curious when they're going to start uh, releasing the ability to use other MDM products uh, with these different things, because I mean, they've got the tooling in there. They're just not making it uh, available from an API perspective to other vendors, I guess. No, uh, I sat in a session at this at the Sydney Ignite about all the uh, MDM stuff in Intune. Uh, so it might, you know, Microsoft has some capabilities today, and they are going to have third-party vendors that are going to have the ability to uh, do some of those bits and pieces, right? Um, and you've got to remember, so like you're talking about, uh, so this announcement, you know, came out and they said, hey, we're doing uh, better Intune capabilities for iOS and Android, but it was actually part of the general uh, built-in MDM for Office 365 announcement, right? So, uh, you know, that's all ready to come on and, and, and go out. So, you know, I again, I sat in this session uh, at um, their Ignite thing and sat down and I went to this session. It was called uh, Office 365 MDM, right? So you would think it would be Office 365 MDM. And this was just after they had announced it. They like announced it that morning or the day prior or whatever. And the entire session continued to be about uh, and went through and proceeded to be about Intune. And we got to the very end of the session. And, you know, be, me being the astute individual that I am, I raised my hand and asked the presenter, I said, well, this is awesome. You just showed us everything about Intune but you didn't actually show us MDM in Office 365, which is what this session was titled and was supposed to be about. And he kind of scratched his head and he looked at me and went, huh? Oh, yeah, 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 you're, you're right. Let me go see if that's in my tenant, you know, in, in my uh, dog food tenant. And of course, it wasn't there and couldn't actually show it to us. So, uh, you know, I think one of the important things to keep in mind is when folks look at these things, Office 365 has an MDM light capability built into it that you don't need... Uh, Intune licensing or anything else for, and that might be able to do the things that you want it to do. That that you know that does some uh, really simple uh, device management reporting, and uh, it helps out a little bit with conditional access and things like that. So uh, you know you don't always need to go full blown Intune. So you might want to just take a look at the functionality that's available within your current licensing. 
before you go ahead and say, okay, we need to, you know, step up and go buy an Intune license or try out some trials or things like that. Yeah. And that's, it's a very good point you make just, uh, you know, you don't necessarily always have to buy all of the pieces to, uh, make things rock and roll like this, but, uh, I think, uh, I think that's a wrap. Is there anything else we wanted to cover Scott? Uh, if not, we can just, uh, we'll rock and roll from here. Yeah, no, I, th- I think we're going to try and keep these things a little bit shorter. Uh, you know, I, I recognize we've been going to like an hour and a half and things like that. And that might be hard for thing, hard for people to consume. So we want to make consumption a little bit easier, file downloads a little bit easier, things like that. Maybe, you know, get in under those hour-long commutes for folks. Uh, so if anybody wants to find us out on the interwebs, uh, they can do that in a couple places. So we have a site, a website. You know, those things are, yeah, very amazing, right? This, this newfangled technology. And that sits out at brewery.fm. Pretty easy to get to. If anybody's looking for show notes, so we talked about a bunch of things today. We publish all the links and everything out to that website at brewery.fm. Uh, this particular episode is episode 20. Holy crap. Uh, yeah, yeah, we've been doing this 20 weeks. So if somebody wanted to find the show notes for episode 20, uh, we maintain a bunch of short URLs for those as well. So they could go to pub.brewery.fm slash brewery020, and that would take them straight to the article and everything else. We also publish all the show notes and everything into the feeds as well. So if you have a pod catcher that is capable of that, like Overcast or Downcast, not Instacast because they just went out of business, uh, you know, uh, they'll be able to consume everything that way as well. Uh, and then if anybody wants to reach out, give feedback, things like that, we would love to get some feedback on iTunes that would help us out a bunch. And you can also reach out to us over email info at brewery.fm. And of course we have the obligatory Twitter and Facebook accounts. So we're just brewery FM on Facebook and we are at brewery FM on the Twitters. We should uh, we should think about starting a Pinterest site for Brewery FM. Uh, you're the pinner, man. I'm not a pinner. All right, think about it. Yeah, uh, well, you know, we'll always see how that goes. But uh, yeah, let, let's leave it at that for today, and and we can catch up on some more of this stuff next week. Sounds good. Have All fun. right, great. Talk to you later, Dad. Bye.